This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Faw, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Sir Ryan of House Terbush, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current master of coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Catelyn 5 of A Clash of Kings. And in our Maester's study, we will be discussing the House of the Dragon. Yes, we will. As Wow, feels good to be back. Uh, sorry, we took a little break last week. Um, unexpected break because I was on an unexpected podcast. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, happened. It was cool. We did a big collaboration. Uh, man, just so many things uh, and the election. Sorry, guys. I we right. were watching the election. It was yeah. it was not a one night event as we thought it might be. It was uh, a week event. So right. uh, you know, there was a lot going on. All right, people were concerned. Things were going on, <laughs> but now we're back. Okay. All yep. that stuff's yep. all that stuff's good. It's all behind us. And it's time to get back to the only politics that I really care about. And that is the politics of Westeros. Yeah. Let's go, man. No, I'm with you, dude. I am so glad to be back. And like, yeah, we, we had like some collaborations. Uh, we were doing some, some fun stuff there uh, for our wheel of time podcast, our Lord of the Rings podcast. Um, and then even here we had Amanda on, which was really awesome. So you know, it's just been it's been a lot of collaborating. Uh, the Mandalorian started back up, which was which was pretty crazy. So hyperspace hangout. If you're into Star Wars, go check Ooh. it out. Yeah. How many doing, eggs? How many eggs did Baby Yoda eat? Uh, um, not enough, I guess. At least <laughs> it, at least a dozen. Right. Yeah. Probably. Probably. <laughs> well, just, yeah, and we can leave it at that. But yeah. 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 Crazy. So yeah, it's been fun. It's good to be back though, and we have a a jam packed show. A really epic uh, Raven later on from, well, it's going to be in our Maester study uh, coming up here very, very shortly. It'll be from Sir Matthew of House Perry. Can't wait to read that. It's quite lengthy and it's really good because, you know, uh, Sir Matt, we were talking about the House of the Dragon and how we, we want to kind of lead into that with fire and blood content, looking at um, the dance and, and, and talking about, you know, the events of it. So it's kind of a great intro to the dance. And I thought we'd kind of... Yes read through the whole thing so yeah but, but yeah man uh, yeah, abso yeah absolutely yes yeah, so we have that and we have a little bit of winds of winter news it's coming for... out eventually but yes Even okay. eventually we do actually <laughs> have an update from Gur of his not a blog right uh, where he does post from time to time so um he did provide us with an update as so let's check out our update 
uh, from Gurr. This is from his November 8th post on his blog, which is his website, uh, georgerrmartin.com backslash, not a blog. Uh, back to Westeros. He says, sometimes I do get the feeling that most of you reading my post here care more about what's happening in Westeros than what's happening in the United States. And you know what? You might be right. So, so let me assure you, uh, while not sweating our election results or brooding over other real world problems, I have continued to work on the winds of winter. No, sorry, still not done, but I do inch closer. It's a big book. I try not to dwell on that too much. I read a chapter at a time, a page at a time, a sentence at a time, a word at a time. It is the only way. And sometimes I rewrite. Of late, I have been spending a lot of time with the Lannisters, Cersei and Tyrion in particular. I've also paid a visit to Dorne, dropped into Old Town a time or three. In addition to turning out new chapters, I've been revising some old ones, some very old ones, including some stuff I've read at cons ages ago, or even posted online as samples. I tweak stuff constantly and sometimes go beyond tweaking, moving things around, combining chapters and breaking chapters into two, uh, reordering stuff. None of this is even remotely new. It's how the first five books were written. I was really on a roll back in June and July. Progress has continued since then, but more slowly. I've suffered a gut punch in early August that really had me down for a time and another for different reasons in early September, but I've slogged on and I, uh, and of late, I am picking up steam again. On other fronts, well, aside from COVID-19 slowing everything down, we are making great progress on the HBO prequel House of the Dragon. Ryan and Miguel are in London. Casting has begun, and it's all looking very exciting. I wish I could say that things are also going great in all of the other television projects I am involved with, either as a producer or as the author of the original source material. Uh, I can't. Very little shooting is taking place, and almost nothing is being greenlit. Of course, development continues, but there's a reason they call it development hell. So that's where all that stands, or at least um, that's as much as I am allowed to tell you right now. Hang in there, friends. Current mood busy. So big uh, takeaway for me as, um, yeah. you know, he, he, he's done he's done this, you know, over the I will say oh, over the over the first like five years, he would post and really there'd be nothing about it except for it's my fault. It isn't out yet. And then this year, things changed, right? I feel like things changed for the better in which he said, I've, I've made actual progress. And that was in either June or July. It was, it was a couple of months ago. Um, and we, so we know he's been writing, and at least now he feels like he's making legitimate progress, which is good. And he said, hey, I've had a setback, but now I'm back to making progress again. But for me, the biggest takeaway from that stuff is something that I don't believe he said before, um, he says he's with Cersei and Tyrion and he's gone to Doran and Old Town. That's cool. Again, I think this book's going to be pretty Cersei Tyrion heavy, uh, just from his previous posts about this. Um, I think that's the first time he's mentioned Old Town. Um, I know he's mentioned Doran before, but the big, the big takeaway for me is I may change some of the sample chapters that we've had. So don't yeah. take those as as a hundred percent yeah yeah 
that to me, I that that really that really you probably saw my face, which was like, uh, wait a second, what? We're going back and 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 tweaking some of that, maybe even you know lumping some of it together or moving it around completely. Right. I, that's huge. First of all, let me just say, I've always I've said it for years. I'll say it every single freaking time we talk about this. He's a master writer. Let him write. Let him write one of the what's going to go down in history as one of the greatest you know uh, uh, fantasy series ever written. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Now, also, uh, Dan and Dave show up and they say, hey, George, how does this thing end? We don't know. He's, uh, right? I mean, he's still changing stuff as of, as of November 8th, 2020. He is reordering, breaking chapters into two, moving things around, combining chapters. Sometimes he says that he goes beyond tweaking. He didn't say twerking. He said tweaking, but. His words, whatever. That is, yes, that is. That he's is not bouncy yeah. today. He's busy, but. He's, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, so he has been bouncy before. That's why I bring that up. But I don't know. I think he's great. I, I've, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I think all of us people who are listening, who are watching, you know, are, are fans of his series. And I'm telling you, I, I am super inspired and, and motivated and happy that he has got this much motivation and that he's moving forward in this way. You know, I mean, he says he hasn't had this type of momentum in years. And, yes, he's, he's had a few kind of setbacks, and that could be personal stuff. It could be, you know, we, we, we don't know. I mean, he's, he's got stuff going on. Um, there's a lot required of him. He does a lot of different things for the um, various communities and fandoms. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm encouraged by this, but I think that's huge that we could be changing stuff and moving stuff around and, and trying to make it either fit better or – He's writing for some some purpose. You've said it. Sir Matt has said it. That book and show, nothing alike. Not not even close. They're not. I, I there's the, I don't. I the more and more I think about it, I'm just like, there is no way it's going to be anywhere close to what we had in season eight. And I and I don't think that's uh, you know, again, we can get into the whole debate about season eight and pacing and all that kind of stuff. But he's still changing things. So yeah. Yeah, it, it's cool. It's 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 good to know that he's one. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that he feels like, hey, I'm actually making progress. Right. That was to me the big the big thing earlier in the summer, and at least now he's he feels like he was at the pace he was before. So that's good, right? The, yeah. Because for years he didn't tell us anything about it. So who knew? Was he making progress? Was he not? Was he, uh, you know, just twiddling his thumbs? Who who knows? Whatever. So so we're good. So <laughs> well, I feel good about. I feel, we right, we kind of know about, what he was doing, which yeah, was I mean, right. You know. Nothing. Right. Not much. Right. So so I I feel good about that, and I feel good. I feel good that he feels like, hey, I'm I. He's making progress, and then again, you know, I mean, to me, it's 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 also good to know that if he feels like, hey, I need to go back and I need to change some of these sample chapters to get to the outcome I want to get to, well, that's good too. I mean, because maybe because you got to think about it. He's been writing this for like 10 years. So maybe he's, maybe he's gone back and thought, you know, where I'm at now, as you get further, he's like, it would make way more sense if I cut this out of this chapter, or I added this to this chapter. And yeah. rather than being like, no, that's set in stone. I got to make it work. And then you, your creativeness is hindered by something you already did. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's good too. So I feel like it's all good news. Um, especially when, I mean, isn't it, we waited this long. 
So, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we're, we're going to wait. We're going to wait even longer. There's nothing we're going to do. We can do about it. Yeah. And, I, you know, earlier, just, just moments ago, I, I said, you know, we know what he was doing, which was, and I, I, I said nothing. That's not what which I is, don't mean. I don't mean in, in terms of winds of winter at all, because he was doing tons of things. He's right. been doing tons he's of work in the show. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and as you say, he's been working on the winds of winter for, for so long that, it, make, it does make a lot of sense that he would look at this later. And I don't know if he's gone and, like, looked at any of the theories or, or some of the breakdowns or, or you know, um, anything in the fandom or the, or the community, Reddit, what have you, where they've broken down some of his chapters and, and theorized. I don't know if he's, if he's actually looked at that or if he does or if he even cares to. But it does, you would have an opportunity as an author to really see what some of the, you know, readers think about those chapters, right? I mean, I, right. You, I don't know. That would be kind of um, interesting for an author to, to go through. I bet he's tried to avoid that, but over ten years, how? I mean, I'm sure maybe something comes up and and could change his his mind. And that, you know, I don't know. Uh, people don't like talking about that. Like, oh, the show's going to change his mind, or that the world, or you know, events, time, just time and experiences can can also change a writer. And ha- you know, he's a, he's been rereading and reflecting on some of these chapters. That in of itself, it's not done. Once it's done, once he sends, you know, a Game of Thrones, you know, a Clash of Kings off, it's done. He can't go back and do anything. And those came right. out in such a kind of, um, they said it was like a fever, right? It was in this this fever, this this state. And now he's had so much time where it's cold, the winds of winter are blowing, and he's just always, he's, he's, you know, you're in your cabin reading back through stuff, and and here we are. So um, I think it's great. I I, I hope he's... Seemingly, I mean, just he's busy. He seems motivated. He's given us a you know a quick update, and there are things he can't tell us. He he's telling us what he can. I, I don't think that means in regards to Winds of Winter. It's probably some other projects he's working on. Um, but still, I'm super happy with this update. Yeah, no, it's good. It's great. I'm I'm glad I'm glad to see we're making progress, and we just have to wait until his next one, which it feels like right now we're getting every once a month, once every other month. So. Yeah. So that that is that is good. Yep. Um, okay, as let's move on over to our Maester study today. We have kind of a a big one here. Yeah, this is this is pretty fun. Um this this is one of our, our loyal bannermen, uh Sir Matthew, Sir Matthew Perry, Lord of Sunfire, um wrote this, sent this in, and it's 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 just very well done. And it's kind of an overview of the Dance of Dragons. So we talked about going in chronological order. We started back with just kind of a, you know, talking about the old king and talking about, you know, maybe the Council of of 101 AC, its significance to the House of the Dragon. And from there, we're going to kind of take um, each of our royals, just kind of march through the sequence of events in the royal family and, and talk about what's happening. So... I with that, Sir Matthew kind of sent us in this um, this raven that goes over it. So I've divided it up. So Matt and I are going to kind of read some of it. But I thought this would be a good way to get us started. Um, it, it does kind of take us through some pretty cool talking points in what what is probably going to be House of the Dragon, a multi you know seasonal thing, right? So it's a series and and there's tons of content. There's tons of areas where where we can kind of. Uh, expand on what is in fire and blood. So, yeah, this is really exciting. So let's just dive into it here. Um, Greetings, sirs, your fellow 
Westerosi here, Sir Matthew, uh, Sir Matthew Perry, Lord of Sunfire. I am writing this Raven to you now because after listening to last week's episode and hearing that you guys are going to be discussing House of the Dragon more every maester study, I thought I would share some of my ideas of where the show could go and what awesome storylines they could explore. And yeah, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be making some more YouTube content and kind of going through, you know, uh, various aspects. And I hope people will send in more Ravens. And if there's a particular character or a thought or a theory that you want to extend, I hope people will send those in to us. So uh, I'm excited that HBO decided to do a show about the Dance of Dragons. Ever since I read Fire and Blood, when it first came out, I've been obsessed with the major conflict in the Song of Ice and Fire histories. Um, there's an incredible amount of deception, betrayal, plotting, and murder throughout the entire uh, the entirety of the Dance of Dragons. This totally makes for an amazing political battle between the great houses of Westeros. I'm going to try and narrow down a handful of plots, uh, plot points slash directions that we could see during the show. These aren't really my predictions about what's going to actually happen, considering many of us know the outcome, but more of my wishes and wants, as well as what I think could be the most interesting. Hopefully some of these talking points aren't incredibly incredibly obvious and I don't get too long-winded here. Well, it's four pages, uh, Sir Matthew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is great. Um, I just believe we should start analyzing and, and discussing every part of the dance sooner rather than later. And I, I totally agree. This is, you know, to get ready for the show. So I'm going to bounce around uh, the entire conflict so this won't be in any chronological order, and that's fine. That's what we kind of plan on doing is marching through it in order. Uh, I'm not sure if any of this will be spoilers to other listeners. And we're kind of, you know, what was this? Was it two years ago, uh, Sir Matt, or a couple years back when Fire and Blood came out? Um, uh, I think it came it's, out. It's been, it's been a, a, it came, a decent Fire and Blood came out like about a couple of months before season eight. Before season eight, yeah. Yeah, so so people, yeah, have had, have had time, I think, to consume it. So, yeah, we're definitely going to, and if you haven't and you want to kind of click off, I mean, we're definitely going to be, you know, reading through some some uh, uh, some of the major events. So, uh, all right. Yeah, it's been out for quite some time now, but I figured I would still put the warning out there for those who want to see it all unfold, unfold on the TV show. Um, it's honestly a little overwhelming to think about every little thing that occurs in the dance. There are so many events, murders, deaths, grudges that t that happen from uh, 101 AC leading all the way up to 130 AC when the dance is fully taken the realm by storm. It's hard to include everything that I'd want to see in the show considering it spans a considerable amount of time. I'm also going to be taking a little from Mushroom's perspective uh, as well as a little from Septon Eustace uh, perspective. We have those two back and forths in, in Fire and Blood. Um, yeah, this show has an extremely large budget and HBO will do whatever they can to get multiple seasons out of this. So I think we will see a gigantic exploration of the Targaryen Civil War. So with that, I'm sitting here with my copy of Fire and Blood next to me and I'm ready to dive in. Yeah, let's go. Here we go. Point number one. The relationship between King Viserys and his infamous brother, Daemon Targaryen. I think Damon is going to be such a badass and a boss in the show and his ambitions and desire for the Iron Throne truly influence so many of his actions. I really hope that the actor from Vikings, uh, Travis Fimmel, who played Ragnar, does actually play this important character in the story. 
I believe he would be such an amazing and convincing job. I believe he would do such an amazing and convincing job. Damon is a complicated, hot-tempered guy, but he's also smart and cunning. He believed he was next in line for the Iron Throne, considering King Viserys had no male heirs at the time from his first wife. He became the commander of the City Watch, and never were the Gold Cloaks more feared and respected in King's Landing. They weren't even called Gold Cloaks until he took over. He wanted them to wear their cloaks with pride instead of being ill-armed and unthreatening. While his king brother had grown soft and plump over the years, Damon was a hard and lean warrior, ruthless and well-respected by the high and lowborn. A boss, you could say. <laughs> I could see him becoming my next favorite character in A Song of Ice and Fire. Damon was also given the Valyrian steel sword Dark Sister by old King Jaehaerys, and he also rode the fearsome dragon Caraxus, nicknamed the Bloodworm. Uh, but but Damon was also disliked by other high uh, higher authorities of the realm, Sir Otto Hightower, a very important player in the dance, and the king's hand at the time. He was intent on never letting Damon rise to the Iron Throne, as he believed he would become Magor the Cruel again. Hightower wished at the time that Prince Princess Rhaenyra should be next in line. Of course, you could, as you guys know, the whole reason we have the dance is because of the succession and the Great Council of 101. The next claimant to the Iron Throne had to be a male over a female, but King Viserys had other ideas. He had been grooming his only daughter for years, and his brother Damon became absolutely furious, furious when the king declared uh, Rhaenyra his heir apparent. Needless to say, the decline of Damon and Viserys' relationship greatly affected the realm, and the conflict between them would spread throughout his family. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. As I mean, it is Damon and Viserys are going to be. Damon is going to be, I think, the key figure of right. uh, of the show, and I feel like that's that's who it has to be now spoilers i mean this this is total spoiler ter territory for anybody who doesn't hasn't read the histories um it, it's gonna be is it, you think about damon um and i the first thing i think about really is his it's gonna be such it's such an important thing for him right it's this constant war that he's going to be fighting basically and all these political mover maneuvers to try and get on the throne and then ultimately it doesn't work for him mm -hmm. but it, you know poetically it is his son that ultimately ends up that 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 does end up that does end up taking the throne so i think it's going to be really interesting and i think it's gonna be really um it's gonna be i think it's gonna be really it, it'll feel like game of thrones but it won't be like game of thrones because game of thrones ended up being more about you know you have the night king and, and then and the stuff with cersei and then you know we can talk about season eight forever um yeah. but here we actually know we have an outline uh and we and we know how it's how this is going to end um and it's it's just going to be brutal and i think I think oddly enough, one of the one, a figure of the show is going to be the Iron Throne, and everyone's ever everyone's lust for it, and we see that in uh, in in the main series. But there's there's like more stuff even going on because there's so much more magic and and stuff like that. Um, and actually, even though this show is going to have dragons, I think there'll be way less magic, as odd as that seems. So it yeah. it is going to yeah. be more political. Um, there'll just be dragons. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and and I also think, I mean, so Damon, 
Yeah, being being the star of the show and and being someone who and Rhaenyra, right, and and getting behind those two characters, but but really Damon, um, there's a lot of uh, th- there's a lot of room to kind of explore his character and his thoughts and what he was thinking and what he was up to and plotting and scheming, you know, which is really cool. And I I also think the mysteries or the gray areas or whatever you want to call them, those white areas where they're unexplored, are going to be areas that we who have read the outline and we kind of know where this is going to go are going to love. We're going to fall in love with that and really just really just eat it up and, and, and go crazy because it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, Damon, Damon Targaryen's where it's at, man. That's, that's gonna be, that's gonna be awesome. So, oh, all right. Um, into point number two here. So greens and blacks and oh, so much hate. Uh, so next it will be a fan, fantastic to see the struggle and the hatred on screen of Queen Rhaenyra and Queen Alicent Hightower. Uh, do two characters hate each other any more than these two high-born ladies of the court? From their ambitious, from their ambitions towards power and control of the realm to battles that ensue because they're their children and the dragons they ride, these women are definitely the main catalyst for the Dance of Dragons. Very true. The power struggle between these two women will consume them and will also leave a lasting mark upon their children. Queen Alicent had four children by King Viserys, Aegon, Helena, Aemon, and Darren. Uh, Rhaenyra had three children by Laenor Valerian. Maybe, right? Maybe she had them by that guy. Uh, uh, Jacares, Lucerys, and Joffrey. The bad blood between their mothers would work its way into their minds, and they would never have love for each other. Even when their children, uh, even when they were children, right? During a small fight between the boys, young Lucerys picked up a knife and slashed Aemon across the eye, and forever he was known as Aemon One-Eye, which is nuts, right? He's this little kid, right? Slash, you know, they're getting in fights with knives, and somebody loses an actual eye. (laughs) Um, That incident did nothing to quell the animosity growing within the Targaryens. Um, Aemon would never forget what Lucerys did, and it would fatally bring those two together to clash again. Queen Alicent uh, was was clever and beautiful, and she climbed her way to the top of the monarchy food chain by having an incredibly powerful family name and her father, Otto Hightower, playing the Game of Thrones. Uh, Princess Rhaenyra was incredibly favored by her father, and even after Alicent bore King Viserys' two sons, that did nothing to change his mind of Rhaenyra claiming the throne. Her father married her to Laenor Valerion to strengthen the relationship between the two great houses who can trace their heritage back to Valyria. Rhaenyra gave birth to three sons, although rumors were spread that many did not believe these sons were fathered by, uh, by a Valerian, right? but by Harwin Strong. This rumor will continue to spread. The young princess was also obsessed with her uncle Damon and spent a large amount of time uh, with her famed uncle. Because of this affair and most likely his own personal gain, Damon demanded that his brother give Rhaenyra to him as a bride. Viserys was furious and banished Damon to exile. During this time, the infamous Sir Criston Cole, there is so much more on him, of course, and there, there truly yeah. is, um, was believed to have confessed his love for Princess Rhaenyra, and she spurned the young knight of the King's Guard, to which he harbored serious loathing and disdain for her later on. This, of course, caused him to switch to Queen Alicent's side, and he became one of the princess's biggest threats to her reign. 
Uh, here we start to see the seeds of loathing and jealousy that will continue to grow between Alicent and Rhaenyra that will fuel the fires within the Targaryen family and split the realm in two. There are other houses that play huge roles in these events, such as the Strongs and the Valerions, that I would love to dive into right now, but I'd like to leave those details up to you guys for discussion and further analysis. It's a lot to unpack, needless to say. Game of Thrones fans and people who are new to this part of the world slash history are about to become uh, a hell of a lot more familiar with them in terms of greens and blacks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the thing. It is a Targaryen civil war. Uh, yeah. And that, I think, again, you know, we, we, we've talked before about how they had, the, it was between this and possibly the long night. Um, and I, I think this is, this is the, this is the better of the two um, just for the first successor to Game of Thrones, um, because the long night would feel a lot less like Game of Thrones and this will feel more like Game of Thrones, but there will be more dragons. And so it's a good place to go. And so much of that just comes from the fact that it is, it's family versus family. It's not like in a Game mm-hmm. of Thrones where you have the war of five Kings, right. And everybody's playing. You don't, you know, you don't know who's going to win. Um, here it's, 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 it's the Tar- Targaryens versus Targaryens. And it is brutal. Uh, it is yeah. brutal. There's a lot of chess pieces um, moving around and Rhaenyra is, is one of them. I mean, yeah. she is like the ultimate chess piece in this, in this whole thing. Um, be, I mean, because of Viserys has plans for her. Damon has other plans for her. So, and, and, and yeah. you go from there. Yeah. I, I, I really think, I mean, something that was mentioned in point number one is the power of house Hightower and auto Hightower, even pushing for and being okay with queen Rhaenyra. Um, and like, okay, that I'm, I'm fine with that. The irony is that, is that King Viserys was actually, you know, uh, the reason he's chosen is because of the decision in the 101, uh, great council. You know, and then so then he chooses his daughter. It's kind of ironic. Otto Hightower pushes for that. Well, until, um, you know, he has a grandson who could also make a claim. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of political kind of maneuvering and, and things. It'll be interesting to kind of see how they use their, you know, an individual's words against them. Something that they said in the past and bring it up again later as they're trying to make claims to the throne. It's going to be, yeah, interesting to watch that. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. On to point number three here. Dragons. I think it's dragons, dragons. Oh, and my bad. Am I supposed to, I'm, that's, 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 that's my it's in red. Sorry, yeah, it's in red. Yeah, you're right. Dragons, dragons, and more dragons. As I said before, the budget is going to be so massive for the upcoming prequel spinoff, uh, the most critically acclaimed show in television history. They are going to need all the money and CGI they can get. The amount of dragons that that are around during this time period in Westeros is unraveled by any other time and is the height of their population. From massive dragons like Bagard, Craxus, to Sunfire, Veramax, Dreamfire, uh, Serex, and countless others, HBO will have their hands full, giving us the ultimate Targaryen dragon showdown. I just hope they do us justice. Uh, and we are given insanely amazing battle scenes like we've seen uh, before in Game of Thrones. I have confidence uh, in this since Miguel Sapoch, Sapochnik. Sapochnik. Mm-hmm. Sapochnik, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the he, he's who directed Battle of the Bastards, Long Night. Basically, the big mega battle episode, episodes right. um, in, in the series. 
Um, and he'll be, he's going to be one of the main showrunners and producers. Uh, so imagine the scale of battles that we're going to see. Right. Uh, with pretty much every Targaryen we see during the dance, you also get a dragon. Their eggs were placed in every cradle of a new Targaryen child. More and more Dan uh, dragons are born during this time, and they will be involved in every battle that happens in the Seven Kingdoms. Multiple battles of this war are fought in the air and on the sea, and this could prove quite a challenge for the show. Uh, of course, during the early seasons of the show, I do not think we will see these big battles. Uh, the beginning will be setting up all of the chess pieces and seeing the development of character struggles and conflicts with others. We are getting an entire show about deceit, betrayal, and dragons within the A Song of Ice and Fire world. What more <laughs> could you ask for? Yeah, yeah the, the battles are going to be huge. I mean, that's why they, they, they ha I think it was very wise that they chose um, Miguel as their, as their showrunner because he did those. I mean, he directed a, a, a you, you go look at season eight and you look at the long night. I mean, it took them like 50 nights to film that. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it, was, yeah. it is, I mean, you know, regardless of well, it was too dark and all this, well, all this other stuff. I mean, um, that's not necessarily, I don't know if that's necessarily his, his decision, but I mean, just the scale of that battle is insane. Right. I yeah. mean, it's an hour and it's an hour long battle. And some of the show and some of the episodes did that. I don't know if he if he did the um, episode at the Battle of Castle Black, but that was the first episode we saw um, where the entire episode was one battle. Um, the mm -hmm. Battle of the Blackwater was an entire episode and it's and it's and it's this one battle and it's going on in all these different fronts and you're seeing it. Then you get to the Battle of the Bastards and everything and they're just shot so beautifully. Um, I mean, they're they're done so well and, and trying to film that must have been insane. Right. I mean, yeah. that's I mean, that's that's quite, quite a, a, a challenge. And so if, if we're going to get anything close to that. Um, but you now you're going to add in dragons on dragons. It's it's going to be sweet. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think the other thing is um, we're used to Danny having three and that's just a trump card, right? She could just go in there and boom, you know, she's got her dragon. She's going to take over. No big deal. Well, what's interesting is, you know, uh, greens and blacks both have dragons and there's dragon seeds. There's dragon riders. They're working on, you know, there are eggs out there. People are trying to possess those. So, um yeah, it's also, I mean, I guess that's, so now it does come down to maneuvering, and then how do you actually use your dragon? How are you going to fight dragons, you know, dragon-on-dragon dragon combat? What is that What is that like? And is there something that Damon, is that where Damon's going to step up? Is he going to train some people? I mean, we learn more about dragon riders. I, I just think it's going to be, you know, that aspect of it's going to be sick. Uh, dragons, dragons, and many more dragons. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, point number four. So small incidents uh, or characters that we should want to see. And this is interesting. So we got a couple, you know, different small points here. But um, the Cargill twins, twin brothers of the Kingsguard, Eric Cargill and Eric. So Eric and then Eric. Eric. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cargill um, were two badasses that chose opposing sides of the dance. So think about that. They're two twins right on one's on one side. One's a green. One's a black. Um, you know, Sir Eric cho uh, choosing King Aegon II and uh, the Greens, and Sir Eric aligning with Rhaenyra and the Blacks. According to Fire and Blood, these two legendary knights were so loyal to each of their own sides that when the time came, they were forced to fight each other to the death. Uh, it's just one of those smaller conflicts that happened within the dance that truly shows how much it affected everything and everyone. If you haven't read Fire and Blood, then I don't want to spoil what happens to them. Uh, I'll leave that up to you to read yourself or to see when the show comes out. But man, it is heartbreaking. So yeah, that's a, that's a really 
Um, yeah, when I, I remember re, you know, reading that and going, wow, uh, that's that was interesting. So uh, let's see. We also have the dance above Storm's End. So early in the dance, we get one of the first dragon, uh, dragon and dragon rider duels. I'm sure we'll see this important fight in the show. However, it's most likely uh, it won't be until the later seasons. Prince Aemon One-Eye uh, had flown to Storm's End on the monstrous Vagar to secure a marriage alliance with House Baratheon. Rhaenyra's second oldest son, uh, uh, Lucerys or Luke, uh, was also sent on his own dragon, uh, Arax, by his mother to do the same thing. So they're both going to try to secure this marriage alliance. What ensued was arguments and taunting as Aemon tried to goad Luke into fighting him. Uh, Prince Luke continually refused, claiming he was only sent there um, as an envoy uh, to do, not to do battle, right? Uh, Lord Boris Baratheon would have no quarrels beneath his roof. Luke went on to to leave his dragon and Aemon pursued, or he, he left on his dragon and Aemon pursued him. The battle did not last long, considering the size and the bloodthirstiness of Vagar. Arex fell broken, and his head and neck washed up on the shore of Storm's End, and the body of Luke Valerion was found, uh, was never found, right? Uh, this would be hu- a huge blow to Rhaenyra, and her, uh, her uncle husband, Daemon Targaryen, would declare ultimate vengeance. An eye for an eye, a son for a son, Luke shall be avenged. So yeah, that was a, that was one of the the early on kind of um, battles that was really detrimental, I think, and and really blood's drawn at that point, and so so that really moved us into uh, a, a greater conflict. Uh, the dance over Harrenhal and the God's Eye. Lastly, I want to jump to the end, uh, the end days of the dance. Badass Prince Damon had flown to Harrenhal and had spread uh, the word of his arrival so that Aemon One Eye would come and face him alone. He waited there for 13 days, and on the 14th, Aemon came flying in uh, over Heron's massive castle on Vagar. There are many details uh, that led to this battle um, that I'd like to include, but I'm going to shorten it. The battle took to the skies, and the dragons clashed above the massive Lake of the God's Eye. While plummeting towards the surface of the lake, locked in a free fall, Daemon leapt from Caraxes onto Vagar, where Aemon was chained to his dragon. Daemon drove Dark Sister into the missing eye socket of Aemon and out the back of his head. Uh, moments later, the dragon struck the lake. Neither dragon rider survived that fatal battle. After the dance, Aemon's body was found still attached to Vagar's remains with Dark Sister still in his eye socket. Daemon's remains were never found, and many believe he survived and lived out his days with the bastard girl dragon seed nettles. Wow. Uh, thus, the blacks and the greens each lost their warrior princes that day, and the dance continued to rage through the Seven Kingdoms. But man, I cannot wait to see that fight on screen. Yeah, that's a ma- that's a massive one. That's like that's that's the oh yeah yeah we That'll go from like the, that's like that's like the battle of yeah the, yeah of yeah the... yeah. And you go from that beginning, you know, kind of just a warm up uh, battle, and then you know. Sir Matthew's jumping us right there to just the, just that, that will be it right there. So, um, well guys, I could go on forever about the dance after reading through fire and blood and a song of ice and fire wiki. There are so many more topics and events that I could bring up, but this would probably turn into an actual essay. I know many of us are well-versed in the histories of Westeros, but I wanted to really dive into some of the most important characters in the dance, 
um, and the seeds that would cause the Targaryen civil war. I hope that I wrote. I hope that what I wrote above will lead to much discussion and speculation, especially for the upcoming show. Excited to see where we could go. Cheers, fellow knights. Yeah, your fellow lord, Sir Matthew of House Perry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The battles are going to be insane. I, yeah. I, I think I, I think I think we can all agree on that one. And maybe we'll get to see a little bit more of what's going on at the God's Eye. Uh, so, so, you know, so, so, so who knows? Um, it'd be cool if they gave us some sort of, um, maybe the answer if Damon did actually survive it. Right. Cause we, we don't know. Yeah. And it's this, it's, it's this big mystery, or maybe they just kind of leave us with some, some kind of scene that alludes to the fact that maybe he did, um, you know, sur- survive it. But I feel like if Damon were to have survived it, he would have, you know, gone and, and, and done and done something else, but, but who knows? Um, but it's going to be cool. It, it's, it is, it is, it is definitely going to be cool to be some of these huge epic, epic battles um, with so much, with so much on the line um, um, between them. And so I, I, I think it's, I think, I, I think it's possible people like this because of the way, you know, with, with all of the conflict around the, the last couple seasons, the way people view it, I think we make them out. If this series is done as well as it, I mean, as the first few seasons of Game of Thrones is, we could come out of this saying this is better. So it's oh it's yeah totally, yeah we totally could yeah we totally we totally could and we and we might just because there's really no I mean we can't sit here and argue with it I mean and they're not going to go way off there's so much room to kind of do various things I mean while you're waiting all over up the God's the eye yeah you're waiting over the God's eye you could you could throw in all sorts of kind of dialogue or or internal thoughts from a character who's there waiting on this you know, battle between dragons and talking about the God's eye, you know, you could actually, that could add to our speculation in a song of ice and fire. You know what I mean? Like we could talk about the order uh, that, that lives there and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so many little tiny things that you could do and connections that you could make to the main series that we haven't even thought of. There's plenty of room for that. And so when Sir Matthew says, you know, speculating and kind of theorizing about where we could go and where we could fill in some of those voids, I totally think we're going to be drawn towards some of these lesser lords and, and individuals who are being used to kind of maybe run between houses or or to chat or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I, I just kind of think there's a lot they can do, and it's it's going to be – it probably – it actually might be – I would be okay if it ended up being as good, if not better. Um, so, yeah, wouldn't surprise me, actually. Awesome. Hey, thank you, you know, Sir Matthew, Matthew Perry for sending us that. And as we, as we said, that we'll turn that into uh, several other pieces of content. So absolutely. Guys, let us know. I mean, what are you, what are you guys looking forward to in the house of the dragon? I mean, what, I mean, are you, are you on the greens? Are you on the blacks? I mean, who, what do you, who do you, who you you on? Yeah. Yeah. Who do you support in this? Yeah. And let, leave us a comment and let us know what you guys think. So. All right, as let's move on over to the reread. Uh, last time we were with uh, Catelyn, um, she had tried to convince Renly and Stannis not to fight. Uh, yeah. Things did uh, not go that way, uh, to, they to say the not. least. And then out of the shadows, uh, Renly died. There was a shadowy figure that killed Renly. So this week we are into Catelyn 6. Um, where Catelyn and her escort are arriving near Riverrun. Uh, we're going to meet some new characters, Martin Rivers. Uh, we learn, you know, that Rob has crushed her Stafford Lannister, um, yep. that the Greyjoys have, have, have 
or excuse me, that that great John has seized some of the Lannisters gold mines. Um, and then we're going to say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill visit lord hoster tully and begin some of his fever dreams which become a thing yeah. for quite a while actually and there yeah. are many many mysteries surrounding his 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 green his green dreams or yeah, what's he saying fever dreams? What, yeah what 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 is he actually saying uh in those in those dreams it's a little crazy um yeah, so things did not go well, and see, there was, I, I kind of forgot until I was reading the beginning of this chapter where there is actually a lot of hope, I guess, riding on the possibility that we could have an alliance. I mean, because, you know, again, we go back to, the, like, the what-if game. If uh, the Starks do ally themselves with House Baratheon, like a united House Baratheon, well, this thing's over, man. This thing is done. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. It's done. So there, there is a lot of hope riding on that. And um, when when Catelyn comes back, I mean, word has already gotten gotten back to them that, like, rumor is Cat might have killed him, you know, or, or some, some woman from the South. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not good. So I just thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, they really wanted this to – there was a lot of hope that this could work. Or even that if you're going to make an alliance that, I mean, because most likely, right, it looks like Renly is the guy with the stronger forces. He's going to, whether it's kinslaying or whatever it might be, he's taking on his brother. And Rob has nothing to do with that. I mean, I think, I think there would have been a conflict where maybe it's like, are you going to ally yourself with a kinslayer? You know, if he actually would have killed Stannis, that might have been a pickle um, for them later on. But, but anyways, it doesn't happen. And... There's some discouragement, but uh, it's like it's like Catlin. She, she doesn't even have time to really really celebrate it, but she hears about the victories in the West, and that's huge. That is huge for her son. That is huge for um, everything that he kind of has going on in regards to 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 move what he's trying to do. Right, he's trying to move Tywin um, off of Harrenhal and away from the God's Eye and move him back west, which gives him. The reason he's there is to protect King's Landing, you know, and, and to and to shore that up and to keep everything, you know, north and no, just north, no, you know, northwest. I guess that would be kind of up and tucked up in that in the Riverlands. So Rob starts to you know find his way west, moving Tywin's force, you know, uh, and unfortunately, you know, what Edmure will do. Totally, totally jack stuff up. You know, he makes he makes a, a bit of a does. blunder. But I also kind of blame Rob on that. Like, tell tell people what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, don't make it so secretive that only you know, and people should just be able to kind of figure it out. I, I though I think he maybe did give him, you know, some more explicit. He gave him explicit orders, and and Edmure disobeyed. But anyways, the whole point is we're trying to move move that force, and Rob is doing a great job. And he finds what is this? Is you know, Grey Wind finds that little goat path. Right, I imagine Grey mm -hmm. Wind is, is is sneaking around trying to you know just eat up some goat. You know what I mean? I don't know that. I mean, unless Grey Wind was guided there and knew how, how does a direwolf? Now people are gonna get on me for this, but how 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 does a direwolf know that you need to find a secret pathway 
you know, to to <laughs> to kind of sneak around. How the does the direwolf get? How does the direwolf get beyond the wall? I mean, uh, yeah, Riddle maybe it was. Maybe uh, maybe he was guided, but maybe he was sniffing some goats and and snuck around there too. Uh, either way, pretty pretty cool that he's able to kind of find that cut that path. He would have lost a lot of men had he just you know straight on attacked the Lannisters, um, you know, around the Golden Tooth. I mean, that just wouldn't have been you know a a good idea. And we're going to the Golden Tooth, and we're going to attack and, and try to get maybe access to some of those gold mines, which is really mm-hmm. one of the lines I think is that you know how do you move a Lannister or get a Lannister to come back. Or, you know, what is it that Tywin would be interested in? What's well, his gold and his gold mines? You know, you're taking possession of those or whatever. He's definitely going to come flying back and, and and try to stop you. So, yeah. 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 I mean, so you have that you have that going on. We also have, you know, um, some other I mean, just some, some other characters kind of to, to talk about here. Right. You know, so, we know, you know, you have the great John. Right. He's the one that sees some of those. Um, and then, uh, you know, we learn from Ed Muir. Uh, that you know, some birds have arrived from Storm's End with messages from Sir Courtney Penrose, right? Yep. Seeking help, you know, claiming that he feared that the boy Edric Storm, Robert's only known highborn bastard, right? Um, and Edric Storm, you know, is a character that does not appear in the show. Uh, it's possible he, a lot of his stuff with Gendry or Gendry or however you want to call it yeah. in the show is something that we will see mixed, and he may be more important later. I mean, he's yeah. he's an, he's another one of those characters who wow his outcome is kind of who knows where, where you know where, where that's going to go. So we're beginning to hear about him um, and, and and his story as it will is it will progress because a lot of a lot of Gendry story you see in the show is actually just another yeah. a, 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 another Robert's bastard uh, in the books, Edric Storm. Yeah, kind of woven together, and I think. One of the things that you want to talk about, and I think it is interesting. Well, first, I want to kind of talk about Courtney Penrose and the, and the idea that what is it that causes this guy? Is it really just Edric Storm and that you think Stannis is going to hurt, really, his own flesh and blood? You know, um, I don't I don't get that because, I mean, I guess maybe when he sees two brothers willing to fight each other and you see Renly versus Stannis but he was supporting Renly who I, I know he doesn't he doesn't know this information and he, but like Renly is the one who is like I mean technically by law should be submitting to his older brother and yet is attacking him and is wanting to like smash him against the the walls of Storm's End and Courtney, Courtney Penrose again is inside cut off from communication um is you know he he is defending this this kid like did rumor get to him that Melisandre was was using possibly wanted to use him for for blood magic or something maybe maybe but um it's just interesting something had some word had to get back to Courtney that it was important to it's so important to give up his his life for right to try and protect this this boy and I guess yeah there there is it's just never directly explicitly said i think we're supposed to kind of infer that as the reader because later on davos does the same thing you know like you're, they're they're so worried about edric that um they are going to to help him escape you know so right. you wouldn't yeah, think stannis a, would do it but it's there he never does right. but yeah yeah there is there is a line in here too where it uh it talks, uh, Catelyn is thinking about like, why do we, you know, why are we caring so much about this highborn, this highborn or baseborn or highborn bastard? And I just heard that line, you know, I was listening to the audiobook 
And it just caught me by so guys like this is exactly why Ned didn't tell you anything about Jon Snow. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it, 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 100% exactly why right. because I mean, you know, but so yeah, no, exactly. We're not telling you diddly squat because you don't get it. Um and yeah, and then you go back to her whole like, you know, family duty honor whatever the whole, you know, right? I mean, where 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 did that all go? Um it's there. It's just, you know, I think it's weird to think like, would she be willing to sacrifice? You know, is she willing to kind of, I feel like, I feel like she, I feel like if she, if she honestly knew, but then again, I don't know, because it's like, if it came down to a situation in which she need, let's just say if, if it came down to a situation in which she needed to save Aria or Sansa or Bran, yeah, with Bran, her favorite. Yeah. And it was like, well, you could tell everyone the truth about John, or and and by doing so, you could save Bran, but it would cost John his life. Would she do it? I think she would. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's ultimate loyal. I mean, it's her family, right? It's her her family, right? Um, right. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting line. It it really is when you kind of think about maybe where Lady Stoneheart's uh, arc is headed, and and also. Uh, John's both of them being, you know, resurrected. It just, it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of, you know, parallel, uh, right. Juxtaposed type of thing. So uh, something else that happens and I, I don't know when and where I can't remember exactly, um, sequence of events in the chapter where where this takes place, but I want to bring it up because I've talked about it before and it happens in this chapter. And, uh, Brianne says to, so she's she's came with with um, Catelyn the whole way, swears up and down that Catelyn had nothing to do with this. Uh, Catelyn just kind of moves past the whole what did happen, who killed him, how was he killed. We're not going to talk about that. We just we're just, we're moving on. And I think Brienne is thankful for that. But she then will kind of say like, okay, do I have your leave to go? At one point, we get to a, a situation where she says, do I have your leave to go? And where is she going to go? She's going back and she's going to kill. Stannis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to think about something, sir, Matt. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here. All right. Yes. So, I know, I know, I know, I know exactly where you're going and I'm, and I'm with it. You Okay. So I, I, the, like the crazy thing to me is that, um, gosh, lady, lady Stoneheart says, uh, uh well, okay. Lady Stoneheart didn't say diddly squat. Let's be honest. She don't say, she don't say a thing. Uh, but Catelyn says here first that she tells Brienne that she's always going to have a place with her. And that she's going to be, um, y- you know, b- basically if she needs something, whatever. They, they both kind of make these promises to one another. She promises that when the time is right, she will let uh, allow Brienne to go and to finish this business with Stannis. She makes that promise to Brienne because Brienne said, you heard me. I vowed, I swore three times that I would kill Stannis. The time is not right. And then so they make an agreement where essentially Brienne says, you know, you let me know when that time is. And do you promise that you will? And Catelyn says that she that she she does promise. She promises that she will let her go finish that business. Now, Brienne didn't have much chance to have a dialogue conversation. We don't really even know what was actually said after, you know, the whole confrontation when she her face is half bitten off and pods there and she's, you know, screams out the word sword and basically she's saying I will prove my my loyalty to Lady Stoneheart. 
So in that situation, I just think to myself, is she going to like recall, is, is Brienne going to bring up like, you know, I've done what you've asked me to do. Now let me go seek Stannis. You gave your word on that. And don't call me an oath breaker when you gave me your word that I could seek him out. I gave, I made a vow as a knight that I would take his life. And so, and that may mean the rumor being that Arya is in Winterfell, just kind of like what the show does. That I mean, this is almost like well past the beginning of Winds of Winter, towards the end, maybe even in the in the next in in, in the final book, going to Winterfell to possibly intercept Arya, and along the way, knowing that that's the direction where in which Stannis lies and and could could take him out. So I just thought it was interesting, you know, that they they make a lot of promises. They t- t- like to each other. They make a they they do a lot of exchanging of vows and and pledging swords and all that good business. And so you yeah, think I mean, about those things, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, because again, you know, one of the things we talked about is how do you even get to the point where we're at in the books to where we get in the show where Brienne kills Stannis? I mean, how do we even you know how, how do we even get there? But this line here. Where she asked for that, I mean, that is a total foreshadowing thing in which you feel like it would come down to that again, where she's like, no, I gave my oath that I'm going to kill Stannis. Um, I don't think Lady Stoneheart to me has zero. I mean, I don't think she's going to even run into Stannis or have anything to do with it. So it would be another situation, maybe like it happens in the show, in which Brienne does find Stannis after some sort of a battle. Um, Yeah. And, and so it's possible, it's possible maybe, but where she's at now is nowhere close. And we feel like the battle between Stannis and Renly is going to happen. So unless you get some battle between Stannis and somebody else or, or something, how, you know, how do we, how do we get to that moment? Mm-hmm. Um, she could still end up killing him in a totally different way. It doesn't have yeah. to be the way, the way, the way it went down in the show. Maybe that was a bullet point. We've talked about those before where when Gurr had that meeting with Dan and Dave, the showrunners of the, sh- of, the, of the show, he said, here's the bullet points. You guys can kind of fill in the rest or who knows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this line, the, the line in this chapter, I mean, make would cause you to believe that at some point Brienne is going to kill Stannis. Yeah. Well, it's something. So she is the whole thing when she later on, and we're kind of flashing ahead here a little bit. Uh, but like whenever she's with Jamie or whenever she's with pod or whoever she's speaking with, she is the oath keeper, right? She is the person who is going to keep, her vows, she's going to keep all of them, even though Jamie will say to her later, think of all the swearing and the vows and all the promises that we do make. Which ones are we supposed to keep? You know, defend the king, the weak, who, you know, maidens, who all, like, at, at which time, right? If the maiden is threatening the king, do we kill the maiden or do we do we protect the king? What, what, what do we do? You know what I mean? Um, so he brings up an interesting point, and I think it, it's something that she's going to kind of struggle with, but she definitely, one of the first things we hear her say in the entire series is that she is she plans on vows to kill him. I mean, she pledges her sword to Renly, uh, but then right afterwards, as soon as, like, in getting to know her early on in her thought process, she swears that. And the fact that she doesn't go and do it, and George takes her on a great journey and adventure and, and, and takes us far away from that event makes me think that's something that he has in his, he knows, I'm going to drop that once, never come. I mean, he dropped it a second time right in this chapter. Right. I don't think, and I've done, I'm all the way through Storm of Swords. I don't, I've not heard her kind of talk much about Stannis. Uh, she does, but not like in the terms of I'm going to go seek him out and kill him because she doesn't really have anybody who she can talk to about that with. 
Right. Lady Stoneheart is that person who, and you said, where does Lady Stoneheart go? I mean, possibly. I, I, I had often thought the veil because of Sansa, but we have to keep, we have to remember what, like the, the how limited they are in, in their knowledge and where people are. And, and Arya, if Arya is at Winterfell, right. you know you can get to one daughter. Why not? Well, Arya. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you might be right there. You might be right yeah. in that it's, I, 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 yeah, I totally, I totally see where you're going there and that I, I, I'm with you. I think it might be Jane Poole, Arya. Right. It, it, it's, it's only because that is what happens because we, the reader would go, oh my God, I can't, they're going, that's not Arya. And we, that puts us in a position where it's dramatic irony, where we, the audience or the, or the reader know something that the character doesn't know. And we can't believe we're watching them go into either a trap or we know that they're going there in vain, possibly. But I think it could be something that would maybe then even lead to this whole Stannis is nearby. And we have, by the way, we have a great Raven coming up about the Manderleys and Stannis and the Pink Letter. So this is all this kind of all works out, uh, you know, today. But uh, yeah, to me, that is something uh, worth kind of, you know, thinking more about is Lady Stoneheart going north. We do know that Beric Dundarian, um, who she's kind of, you know, maybe he filled that role of Lady Stoneheart. I mean, he and Thoros go north, which is nuts. I highly doubt Lady Stoneheart is going north for any other reason other than to secure one of her daughters. You know, I don't think she's going up there to support Jon Snow um, or to let somebody know that he is the heir and that and that Rob wrote a letter, you know, and made him, like, legitimized him and that whole thing. I don't think she's in, you know, and I don't even know how she would, you know, <laughs> communicate all of that. But, uh yeah, that just kind of seemed, I thought that was interesting, and it's brought up in this chapter, and it's something as we go through Brienne chapters and Catelyn chapters, and to whether they're together, to. yeah, or, or separate to, to pay attention to, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just maybe, maybe, do you think, do you think Brienne will, I mean, well, it seems like it, right, Brienne's going to be kind of brought to Lady Stoneheart. Um, well, yeah, and, and it's so. She's bringing Jamie right. back right now, and it's like uh, right. I mean, do, and do you think do you think she may charge her to go kill Stannis or something? I mean, do you think that's where it may ultimately end well, up going? So that's what we have to figure out. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's going to be some type of so, somehow they have to move Lady Stoneheart off of this. They need to move her in a different direction. She is just right now. Her whole thing is vengeance, right? She wants to kill everyone who's associated with the Red Wedding, and I think it's because she believes everyone is dead. Like Bran, Rickon, uh, Rob, um, Sansa, and Arya. As far as she knows, they're dead, and they've been done away with. There's no word. The the you know whatever you want to call it, Joffrey's wedding, purple wedding, whatever you know, whatever. I mean, he's he's choked. Sansa's accused of whatever. Tyrion's accused of stuff, and then Sansa's nowhere to be found. So in her mind, there's not many options left. It's just vengeance. So if they can present to her another option in that, like, Arya is alive, it might move her off of and away from the Brotherhood, or the Brotherhood might travel north, um, pick off a few frays along the way. I, I don't know. Um, it just seems like she's she's purely, like, she's just hell-bent on killing frays. And that might yeah. just be where she stays the whole time and just is, is there. But somehow we have to get uh, into a position where Jamie Lannister... And, and Brienne can walk away from there and continue on with their story. And I have no idea how that's going to happen. I've, I've got a, well, I've got, I've got thoughts and theories, but I mean, I don't really, none of them are, they're all, she go, you could go a hundred different ways, I think. 
Um, any, any thoughts and theories and Ravens on that I would be impressed with, and I would love yeah. to read those on the show because I, I think how do you J- – Jamie's following her. He has to see that she's been under attack. Her half face is chewed off. She's in distress. And then also, would she lead Jamie, like who she's grown a little bit close to? Would that be something that Brienne would do? Or is she not going to tip him off and say that something is up, something has happened? Um, I don't know. So yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll find out. But um, all right, well let's let's end here uh, just with with Catelyn um, as she goes ultimately to go see Hoster Tully. Right, she goes to visit Lord Hoster Tully, um, and this is where his kind of fever dreams start, which will lead us down tons of theories. Right, who is uh, Tansy? Right, mm-hmm. that becomes a big that becomes a big one, and uh, not a lot of it really happens here, but um, we just get the idea that. Um, uh, you know, he mistakes her for Liza. He's mumbling strange thing, disjointed lines. You know, John's a good man, strong, kind. You'll wed when Catelyn does. He doesn't realize that, you know, he thinks she's his sister. Um, and, and so and so that's that's kind of just that for right now. That is the beginning of something which will become bigger and bigger as we go on. And then uh, Catelyn is led uh, to the silent sisters who possess Eddard's bones, right? Right. And so uh, she wants those sent back to, 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 to Winterfell. And that's really all we, that's the last we see of them. Actually. Uh, we just, we know that uh, they're, they're supposed to be taking them back to Winterfell. We haven't seen them in the show. They just show up there. Um, and it's done way different uh, in the, in the show. I think it's actually, if I remember correctly, I think it's Baelish who, who gives them to her. Um, yeah. I don't even, I don't even remember. Cause I, I, it's yeah. so early. I think it's like season. It's like season three. It's like very early. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. And he thinks he's like doing something good, and it's obviously not because he's a weirdo. Uh, but you know, um, uh, <laughs> so uh, to the to the, I'm sure there's two Baelish fans out there. They're like, hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, so, now. yeah, yeah. Hey, now. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of the, that's kind of we see them. But so yeah. So I mean, this chapter builds. It it, it, it builds a lot on some of these things which will become bigger things later um it is actually it's it in itself is also not a not a super long chapter next week's is uh Mm because we get into daenerys and it's going to be it's a pretty lengthy chapter um but yeah it's kind of we're kind of staging things right now right we we get to hoster tully's fever dreams which tansy who's that you can definitely send us a raven on that oh yeah who is who is tansy yeah yeah for sure because i mean yeah it's just interesting to kind of look at i mean you know, the whole Baelish angle and, and then what's going on, uh, what happened at Riverrell in, in, in their youth and bastards. By the way, this is a story of bastards. I mean, I hate to say that, but like it's, it, it, it you know, e- even in uh, Fire and Blood, right? And, and it's just like you have so many situations where some high lord had some, you know, an affair or whatever and has bastard children are they legitimized? Are they not? We were just talking about Edric Storm, possibly Tansy. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, there's Jon Snow. We're talking about him. You know, it's, it's, it adds a whole other layer in, in complexity to this that's real. I mean, that is in kind of based in real life and things that I think, you know, royal family maybe has to deal with. That would be, <laughs> that would be kind of wild. So yeah, I'd love to get more thoughts on that and talk about Hoster Tully and, um, I even love when people send us stuff on on his involvement as a younger man, you know, in in regards to Robert's rebellion and and even before that, and and 
where his where he was you know his standing in the maybe hey games. maybe maybe we get some more Duncan Egg stuff eventually we'll see a a young Hostertoli that'd be cool that'd be really cool yeah so all right well and actually so um I think that does it for the the reread and um kind of have an interesting Raven today uh this week's Raven is brought to you by uh, Lady Liz of House Ives and it's just kind of a short one it it, it has to do with the pink letter. And it somewhat kind of ties in with it, 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 it. I think it's weird, sir, Matt, right? But every time we talk about anything winds of winter related, it doesn't matter if we start in freaking Dorn. We saw you and I somehow end up at, you know, with Stannis in the battle at Winterfell trying to figure out where, where we go from it's there. The, it just, well, it's, it's just the block that controls the whole thing. I feel yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. So, um, so, okay, Lady Liz, thanks for this. Here we go. Um, there's been so much discussion on who wrote the pink letter. Um, I believe it was, in fact, Ramsey. I think that Stannis filled the lakes with holes to weaken it. The Manderleys have already been instructed to let the fray, the, the fray group, right, lead on. Not hard when you have someone like Hostine who, quote, doesn't fear a bit of snow, leading them on and actually Hostine is very kind of bullheaded he's angered a little bit and is is just kind of bull rushing forward uh 10 phrase ride into the rotted ice and Stannis works with the Manderleys the Manderleys take the sword um the Manderleys take the sword back with word that they have won uh to lull the bastard into a false sense of security so Ramsey gets ballsy and there we are with the pink letter. I love your show, all of your different perspectives. Um, what do you guys think about this? Is it a viable theory, Lady Liz? And really, so, so what Lady Liz is kind of saying is that there is some type of communication, whether it's, it's Crow Food or whoever, who is, has gotten in contact with, and somehow the Manderleys are already in alliance with, uh, with Stannis. And, and I, whether they already are or not, Sir Matt, it, I think the phrase will lead the charge. And I think the Manderleys are, are allowing them to do so, you know, just because I don't know, you know, if the phrase think that's going to win them more honor or, or win them more reward or whatever, they're taking it and they're rushing forward and they're going to rush into this trap. Um, Manderley is going to play it safe on the outskirts. And then once the phrase are kind of attacked, it may be that, that they are bloodied in a major way, um, you could even have some exchanging of garb. The Mandal- some of the Manderley men might take on fray uniforms or even some of Stannis' men, right? And then you go back with the sword. Um, so really what we're talking about here is the idea that the pink letter maybe, and the people have thought and theorized about this quite a bit, is that it's written that at the time that it's read to us that the events that have, that have taken place where Stannis is, that battle at the lakes, has already happened. If that makes sense, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I get, I get where you're going. Do you? I mean, the, I, the question becomes: Stannis, who fell for Tyrion's trap, and and well, and then and then Tyrion didn't even know, but you know, Tywin showing up the Battle of the Blackwater. I was like, it's like Stannis has already fell into an enormous trap, right? Once before. Yep. Does he fall, you know, does it does does he does he now get to set a trap or does he fall into a trap? Uh, well, again, yeah. again becomes the uh, becomes one of the, becomes the issue. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, here, uh, that's 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 an interesting point. What? Because it could be a, a, where the trap takes place. I think I think there is a trap because so many people have thought so strongly about this idea that there's um, the holes in the lakes, the weirwood, Theon getting his name back. A lot of significance happening here, and Stannis. It looks like Stannis is going to prevail. It, seemingly, a lot of people are theorizing that he's going to win here. And that is exactly maybe what George wants us to think, is that he's going to win. And then what we don't expect is that Ramsey has also let, let another host in an opposite direction and will pin, you know, could possibly pin Stannis' men down. I, you know, I, I don't know. Or the, the other trap could be laid in that bringing that sword in, or they think they've tricked um, the Boltons, and really they have not. You know, they, they show up in there and then they're slaughtered. Like the Mandalese are taken out. You know what I mean? They come back with the flaming sword saying, hey, look, we got Stannis, we got whatever. We bring him in, trying to do a cho- uh, like kind of a Trojan horse style attack um, or, or setup, and it backfires badly, which would be interesting to see. Uh, would suck, actually. Yeah. Would suck. I mean, but like that's that's yeah. what George does to us as, as sometimes, and so it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know how it's going to come to that, and there's probably some line, and I'd have to go maybe super – ultra analyze it. We do have another Raven later on where someone's asking us kind of what's up with uh, Barbary Dustin. And I think right. they might have the, so, some of the keys to yeah. what we're yeah, talking do you, about. I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's uh, with Stannis, it's so difficult because I think we all, and maybe it's, it's the fans too, Stannis the Manus, right? Is, is, is Stannis actually as, as amazing of a battle commander as we think he is? Or do we just pump him up sometimes? And obviously I feel like what I'm, I think it's like, it's like, I feel like as a community, we've made Stannis out to be such a badass that even myself, I'm, I feel like what I'm saying right now is blasphemous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. what I'm, but I mean, it, you know, I, you got to think about it, right? I mean, we know that at least at, at one point in his life, uh, he needed the help of Ned Stark riding down to save him. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. And the onion night, right. You know, dad yeah. the onion night to, to save his bacon. Right. So yeah. we know, we know he needed that. He gets wrecked at the battle of the black water. Um, then, well, we, before that, he doesn't even actually take on Renly. Right. I mean, had he actually fought Renly, he probably would have lost because Renly had a, a, an enormous, uh, you know, and had an, an, an enormous army that was like, I mean, they describe it was so much bigger than Stannis's. So without the help of Melisandre, and so that's not really winning a great battle. The only other battle we really see, battle, air quote, right, we really see him actually win is when he goes beyond the wall and, you know, like shuts down Mance Raider, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. But again, yeah. you're talking about men in armor and plate, you know, plate armor and cavalry going against wildlings so Mm -hmm. it's hard it's it's hard to really kind of judge him actually as a battle commander other than just his his personality seems like it um and it's just just so tricky right with 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 stannis because then sometimes i think well he's buying into everything melisandre's telling him and that's probably not true right of what's going on he's obviously he's not a zora high it's not lightbringer but he's buying into it so here we think about it and you go to the other side and you think ramsey everything we see about ramsey is pretty legit i mean to be honest i mean he's a really evil guy 
Um, I mean, look at what he does to Theon, even, you know, thinking he lets Theon think, Hey, like, you know, you, 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 you got out and all of this stuff and then only to torture him even more. I mean, yeah. Well, and, and actually, so what Barbara Dustin says too is, and I know there's that whole, this whole bit where Ramsey wants to kill his father, possibly that, that whole situation, but Ruse Bolton, is even if those two, even at this time, if Ramsey and Roos are working together, scheming up something, and Ramsey follows what his father wants him to do, because it's just treachery. You know, with, with Ramsey, he's just a treacherous bastard, right. okay? Call him what he is. And, like, uh, he does things that I don't think Roos, I'm not so sure. You know, when Roos is south fighting for King Rob and was still loyal, uh, and Rob hadn't committed, you know, hadn't taken a, t- taken a wife, um, he's fighting for the north. Um then he sees an opportunity and he takes it. You know, he he allies with House Frey and the Lannisters when Jamie Lannister is there at Heron Hall, big talk, big negotiation, and understands that Rob is in a very vulnerable spot. Now, I kind of think, and, and Barbary says this, that's the guy to watch. I don't know what he's up to or what he's scheming. He's sitting here, he's safe. And that's what you know, Stannis says, like it's unwise. It's actually unwise to come out here and meet Stannis in the open, in this terrain. All you had to do was stay in Winterfell and you win, essentially. Like, they don't have the, the food or, or the survival. What, they don't have what it takes. They're hoping on that secret passage, that secret way in, send somebody in, open up the gates, that kind of stuff, then allow them in and attack kind of from the inside, kind of what Danny does and, you know, um, when she sends in, you know. Yeah, yeah. so. I definitely, I definitely don't think that what happened in the show which again i know some people are like oh we don't like that you guys use the show but the show is at least some sort of semi good source i mean obviously gur was involved with it to some degree uh and so it whether it's who's gonna be king it tells you it, who's gonna yeah, be king. yeah i mean i mean whether it's you know whether it's 100 percent accurate or you know five percent accurate on some level gur gave them instructions on this is the way things could go yeah but you know i mean in the in the show, I mean, Stannis doesn't even really fight Ramsay because, uh, you know, he he burns Shireen to get through the storm, and then he basically Ramsay just torches everything at night, and then he just shows up the next day and you yeah. know takes on like all of ten all of Stannis's ten men who are still standing there. I don't think the battle is going to go that way. You know what might be interesting is if the battle actually the battle we see in the show is the battle of the bastards is actually the battle between Stannis and Renly in which Stannis gets enough men to surround Stannis and then squeeze him in. Yeah, I, and, I, I yeah. And instead of the Knights of the Vale showing up, Stannis just dies. That could be that could be one way that they that they go with it and then you have a different battle of of the bastards because again, as we've talked about a lot so many more pieces have to happen to even get remotely close to that. Right. Yeah. I mean, get remotely close to that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I know. I, it, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it doesn't, it, in the show, it does. And again, whatever it is, what it is. I'm going to say it in the show. Um, when Sansa, when the Knights of the Vale show up, it makes sense that there's a connection, that there's a, that there's a family connection between Sansa, you know, and their cousin and them, right. you know, coming up to help. John, I right. mean, you don't have, you don't have any of that. Cousin. Yeah, no, he, he, with Stannis, like, real, I don't know, you know, what's the, right. what's the desire well, to, you, other than to go save, I mean, if you're trying to save Arya and you think Stannis has a good advantage, you're going to come up and help him or, 
or whatever. Yeah, it's I mean, risky. yeah, it's a risky. Right. I mean, so you know. so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to move Stannis out of the way and then get to a battle of the bastards and then get Sansa. Maybe I mean we've talked about this. Maybe Sansa hears about it and so the Knights of the Vale just show up. It's an, obviously not gonna be Sansa showing up at Castle Black to talk to John, you know, and, and all of this because she's yeah. nowhere close. And so it might be Jane Poole, and but then that doesn't get you anything. So yeah i mean so we've talked we've gone over this over over this a lot of times we've talked about the possibility hey maybe stannis wins and yeah. stan and, and we talked about the idea of, St of the stannis ending up becoming the night king for all we well, freaking know it, it's it, with if, yeah. if they mar if they end up marching south first so who who knows yeah yeah it, it could go so many different ways uh uh one that would be i mean you like here's how crazy of a, of a crackpot you know theory you can toss out there stannis wins allies air quote with the manderleys takes winterfell he would welcome you would think rick on stark right right in but if something does go wrong and you have like if somehow rick on is killed and is on his way uh with with shaggy dog whether whether stannis takes it or not you still could have a boy king of the north riding with his dire wolf again you know what i mean you could have right. people rallying behind him that kind of thing i mean and keep and keep and keep this piece in mind we talked about today in 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 the reread the idea of brianne so yeah, yeah, yeah. is is brianne gonna get up there the only the only way i, I think you get remote, the yeah. only way i think you get remotely close is maybe this happened maybe john gets resurrected and decides to go to hard home right because he's like, well, I'm going to go save Torment of those guys, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but then again, we haven't had a night King or any of that stuff yet. So yeah, yeah. who, who yep. freaking knows, but maybe a Raven arrives from them or something or something. And they're like, Hey, or maybe somebody runs back and Hey, we, we get somebody stuff going who on. runs back. Well, the, Gendry, the show, they, get, that's what I'm saying. Gendry runs back. So who it freaking knows? Back. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, out there running. Yeah, on a dead sprint. Uh, He's on a dead sprint for like, who freaking knows ridiculous. So, uh, you know, I mean, who knows, but maybe then John goes to, maybe John goes to hard home, then comes back. Cause maybe they execute people who killed him right then at, before John leaves or something. Yeah. Um, and so then when, when John comes back, maybe Sansa has showed up with the Knights of the Vale looking for John and just trying yeah. to get the help of the Night's Watch. Okay. John's dead. Now we're going to go take on, ramsey who's defeated stannis but i just don't see stannis dying off screen i mean stannis you know kind in a way dies off screen in the show and that they just don't show us his death but you do know i mean you know yeah he i mean you at least get brianne saying hey it's it's over so the only way i, th I think i think you get remotely close is if stannis gets bogged down by the storm and that takes a while Right. Like it, it, maybe we get a chapter of him marching or something. You know what I mean? Oh, we're in the storm. We got to figure out something to do. Decide to burn Shireen. And that's how you get somewhat close to there. But again, there's just so many other players because who knows? Euron could show up. Uh, young Griff is out there. I mean, there's just so many other pieces. Well, um, and, and, and so and just get just to get back to where we're at in here. When it comes to the pink letter, I, whether Ramsey wrote it or not, I, I, I just don't, I don't think that I think we're going to see those events. I don't, I don't think that um, I don't think we're not going to see Stannis first friendly, like what the pink letter would lead you to believe if you mm -hmm. were to, to take it, at, take, take it at face value, which to me makes, makes it believe like maybe Brent Ramsey didn't write it. Cause I feel like Ramsey would just tell the truth. So 
uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It's well, it is it it is to me still the the big big mystery of winter winter. Yeah, for sure. And and, and you know the thing is is one thing I like uh, about what Lady Liz said is that it is very likely that this is something that is that the events have already happened. We still will see them, but yet we're hearing about them before we've seen them. And I, I that has happened with Danny. You know what I mean? Like we've seen the events and then she's heard it or she hears about it. And then, wow, I guess it's only ever happened the way in which it, we see it. And then Danny hears about it. So now the opposite will be happening, which is we hear about it and then we're going to go watch it happen. Uh, that that is um that's different and i think maybe it's the pro maybe it's maybe it's the prologue maybe maybe the prologue just tells us like maybe the prologue is somebody you know because the prologue sometimes are just random people yeah well uh, um maybe the prologue is somebody who's who's walking over the battle and yeah we see we see dead bodies but and maybe stannis does maybe stannis somehow survives and, and lingers on and then we end up finding um Brianne ends up killing him in a different way. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's all cool. I mean, to take it back to not a blog also, uh, you know, George said, this is going to be, it's a big book. It's a lot. He's got a lot to write. There are people, as you mentioned, old town, uh, things are happening. Danny's way far away. Young Griff is, um, marching, possibly going to meet, uh, Mace Tyrell in the field. So there's a lot that, that is happening and we have a long way to go. And I don't really know. I think that is exactly what he's realized. And it's going to take quite uh, quite a bit of work to, to get this kind of mm-hmm. um, wrapped up in where we want it to be. So, but no, Lady Liz, yeah. thank you very much. That was awesome. Good Raven. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, as that is uh, our show for today, um, guys, we are beginning to plan out maybe our next, maybe a next Zoom hangout, maybe a mm-hmm. Raven's Nest. Stay yep. tuned. They're coming. We do have some free weekends uh, coming up here. So, we will uh, get that going. And as and I have some other Patreon things we're talking about. Yep, yep. Because uh, there's good news out there. Maybe you know, maybe we can. We might be going to some conventions next year. Okay, yeah. they yeah. might be happening. They so might they might. If they do, st- stay tuned. We'd love to hang out with yeah. you guys. That's right. So, with all of that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter Forty, Daenerys Three of the Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming. <laughs>